This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Uh, I believe that we are still growing. We're going to take these these last this last time remaining and make sure that we we know what we're doing. You know, again, it goes back to being able to self-scout and, and then say what you're doing wrong and seeing if it's a big piece that we're going to do and we need to correct or is it something, hey, it's, it's too expensive, we're going to throw it out. You know what I mean? And so that's where we're getting to. We've got plenty of film of what we're running. So now we're going back through and seeing what, what can we do really fast and really physical. What can we add? What can we take out? So that way the guys can just go out there and play right now. Three phrases that come out of almost every presser that I love. Welcome back to Husker Rewind, by the way. My name is Mike Melby. That is Tom Stevens. And uh, we are here every Sunday night between 5 and 7 p.m. If you're watching us on the Sarger Heyman live stream, thank you very much. Uh, we see all you guys on there and uh, appreciate you watching. And be- feel free to chime in as well. Uh, 402-464-5685, the Sarger Heyman text line, the Honda of Lincoln hotline. And uh, we stream each and every live broadcast that happens on 93.7 The Ticket on Twitter, on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook, as well as on Channel 951 if you have the most unbelievable awesome uh, fiber optics in town uh, aloe communications because I could not do my real job uh, without aloe it, they are just absolutely next level amazing you own stock uh, I should I uh, so but the three phrases that I love and I you and I were talking we need to have like a bingo card um, because you're going to get them they're three guaranteed they're going to be the free spot you're going to yeah. get three free spots every press conference if you're playing bingo with Husker uh, catchphrases, sayings from the coaches. Husker speed, dominant contact, and violent. And yeah, I yeah, Tony love White that. loves those phrases. You know, like he's, they all love those phrases. He's, he's it's amazing. Own, Husker speed is a big one. Uh, I really like Tony White. Of course, we heard that uh, the defense dominated the offense. We didn't get to see anything. But um, Matt Rule talked about it a lot. It looked, felt like they're, they're going to play a bunch of guys. I guess... How how would I put it? Am I more concerned? Am I concerned that the offense is not good, or am I happy that the defense seems to be good? At least in you know these practices, these scrimmages. Well, I'll ask you that question. Are you more concerned that the offense seemed to get dominated, or that the defense was dominating? Because you always hear that the the defense is ahead of the offense at this time of year, right? I, I I would be worried if the defense was not ahead of the offense. I love the fact that the defense played well, that they had a a good outing. The thing is. The three three five because I am an expert at, at college football and football in general and defenses. No, I'm not. What I know is what I've read and what I listen to the coaches and how, how things are explained by some of the fantastic staff we have here on the ticket. Jay Foreman's done a fantastic job at times. Rashawn Terrell, all of them, with explaining how they know football certain at a things, high level. and they're able to explain it in ways that even people like me can understand. Yeah. The three three five. It's simple from the fact of it lets the guys be aggressive and go make a play, but it's not an overly easy defense for them to grasp every minute little detail to the point where they can simply, um, you know, going back to Bull Durham, don't think, just pitch. Just go make a play. And for those guys to be able to dominate just two weeks into fall camp, and it's pretty much fall camp's pretty much over. I mean, they're getting into kind of game prep yeah. here, not game week yet, but they're going to start honing in on who's the ones, who's the twos, et cetera. Um, 
I, I just, I don't know, man. I'm excited. I'm happy that the defense is playing as well as they are right now. Well, I hope they're they're for real. And if they are for real, it means this coaching staff is really good because you think about it, there are six true freshmen on this defensive line alone, uh, 13 in total. Ty Robinson has a lot of experience, 23 starts. You have Nash Hutmacher with only two uh, Power 5 starts. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have them, but Cameron Linhart, who they really like. Princewell, Emmanuel Mellon, uh, they really like him. But Ruquan Buckley has not played hardly at all. No experience. Kai Mullen, uh, Wallen is a Juco transfer. A.J. Rollins shifted over from tight end. Vincent Carroll Jackson just got here. Uh, Riley Van Poppel just got here. Elijah Judy just got here. Yeah, you've got guys with some experience like M.J. Sherman, but he didn't play. He never started at Georgia. Uh, you have Chief Warders similar at uh, Florida. Uh, he played a lot of special teams, but he didn't start. Uh, Jamari Butler, we always thought was really talented, but he's only played in 14 games. John Bullock played uh, safety. He's He has no experience. He's never played in a game. So all these guys, you have guys that, that we do trust, like Quentin Newsom, we trust. That guy's a really player, really good player. Uh, we've seen it. Malcolm Hartsock's a really good player. Uh, Isaac Gifford is a really good player. We know that. Luke Reimer is a good player. Uh, Nick Henry. So they have guys. Ty Robinson. Those are good players. But there's so much inexperience. And if they really say or mean what they say, that 17 to 25 guys are going to play in a game, I guess I'm a little concerned until I see it. Well, but Jamari Butler and Ruquan Buckley are two guys that coaches have just offered up without you know anybody saying, hey, uh, what do you think about How's this guy doing? They're like, no, these guys get it. It's the the proverbial, you know, coach's catchphrase. The light went on for him. Everything slowed down, whatever they're saying. But that's it. You've got guys that are now, and whether it's the defense, the 3-3-5 versus the 3-4-4-3, whatever Chenander was trying to run that was so much better when Bill Bush took over. Um, It's just one of those where they seem to have a passion for it, have a, I don't, I don't know. But there are guys that it seems like the light's going on. There's a lot more guys with lights going on. Here's the good thing. Uh, this defense gives you so many different looks, apparently. Yeah. Um, they could, and they come from all angles as far as blitzing the quarterback or you know trying to get tackle the running back behind the line of scrimmage. That I think it's going to help Nebraska prepare for any defense that they might see. Uh, um, and if they are for real, they're also going to make plays and cause turnovers. This is Tony White talking about Cameron Linhart and Princewell Umanu Mellon, uh, the freshman. Same thing, you know, the continued growth. I think the physicality you see, and that comes from Corey down in the weight room and and Kristen getting getting them bigger and stronger and stuff like that. They're 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 continuing to grow just like the other guys. You know, Kai Wallen has had some great practices. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some of those other young guys. Who, who are starting to come on, you know, uh, Javen Wright Buddha, he's starting to show up some as well. Um, there's some guys who are starting to hit the point where they're known and given the chance, they're playing fast. He made a comment, and it's another one of those overriding themes uh, that you hear, and it's the, the work that Corey did. They're talking about Corey Campbell, the strength coach, and the, the nutritionist, and I cannot remember the young lady's name right now, but the, uh, Coggins, Kristen yeah, Coggins. That, I believe you're right. Yeah. The, but they, they, all the coaches continually talk about the strength and nutrition and the program and the job that they do. And it's not just those two individuals. It's the staffs that they have underneath them. Um, and it, it goes back to <laughs> we were talking Nebraska basketball and, you know, team play and it's all about the win. It's not about me and all that stuff. Guess what? 
it, the football program. These guys are saying, hey, you know what? Without this little bit of our team that no one knows about, uh, the strength and conditioning, the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into the weight room, and how these guys put fuel in their bodies, and how they put bad fuel in, et cetera, how we educate them, they're as big of a reason why we're going to be as good as we are, and they're telling you right now their why. Well, I love that. One of the guys we were really exciting, uh, excited about after watching his recruiting video was Eric Fields. Uh, <laughs> it was an Evan yeah. Cooper find. Yeah. And already, apparently, he is making an impact, according to Tony White. They all, they're all rotating through. So sometimes you look up and he'll be with the twos. Sometimes, you know, I don't know if he's been with the ones, but he'll be with the twos, the threes, you know, the, the freshmen. So he, he'll rotate through there. Here he is, more on Eric Fields. Yeah, that dude. That dude is fast. I mean, that he, Coach Coop, has a really, really good eye for talent, and he he called it out from the get go. That guy is like, hey, point A to point B, I'm gone, and he is a physical, physical as can be. So uh, he's growing. He he's learning what we're doing, and when he gets a chance to just, you know, not think and just go, hey, where's the football? I'm gone. You can see why he's here right now. Very explosive. Very physical. Um, he's going to be a good one in the future. Yeah, he feels like a, a guy that could show up uh, throughout his career. Don't, don't think, just pitch. I, I mean, that's exactly uh, where, where you're sitting there, and that's, that's that kind of the, well, the, the line, the mentality. And, and he said it over and over. If it's too complicated, we're taking it out. We're, yeah. we're putting in the plays that we can execute at a high level. And you you'd mentioned <laughs> we, you and I, I still – we didn't watch the film together, but I think you and I watched the same handful of clips of Eric Fields and – I believe we were texting back and forth, and one of us made the comment. Like it genuinely felt like he had like the 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 speed boost in Madden or something. Yeah. I never played Madden a ton, but like he had whatever speed, but you could hit the the diamond, and it would make him twice as fast as he normally was. Yeah. But in the film, it literally was like there was a, a bunch of guys going as fast as they could, and they simply took Eric Fields out of it and put him back in but double the speed that he was yeah. because he was so much faster than everybody else. And I know he was a tweener, but you watch his tape and you go, how does a guy like that just get under-recruited? How does he get lost in the shuffle? Yeah. Because that guy is so fast. I mean, it, it's like watching – it's like you're watching Terrell Farley or, you know, name your favorite Husker linebacker, yeah. Avant, uh, Levante David. I mean, it, it, that guy just flies all over the place. Yeah. And – um Nebraska got him, and apparently he's the real deal because they're really excited about him. Uh, this is Tony White talking about everybody's favorite subject. How do you hand out the black shirts? Yeah, yeah I got an idea. Yeah. No? I talked to some great – I've talked to some great voices. I mean, I talked to Coach McBride, talked to Carragher, talked to – I mean, uh, t- Bullocks, I talked to – I mean, I, you name it. If they said they wore the black shirt, I, the first question I asked, hey, come on over here. Step into my office real fast. Like, let me t- tell me, you know, educate me on how this was. And I have an idea, but uh, I'm going to make sure I, I talk to Coach Rule and then we'll do it. We'll do it as we do it. So in my mind, that answer from all the D.C.s that we have had ever since 2004, 2005, that is the best answer from any of those defensive coordinators on how he is going to handle it. You know how I'm going to handle it? I'm going to ask as many former black shirts what yeah. they think. And, and I think I'm, other coaches have said that they do the same thing but as I, well. I, yeah, but it was always they're going to get and, – I mean, Coach McBride is always the fallback. But the fact that – like, he genuinely I, 
I don't know. It it just feels different it, coming from Tony White. Yeah, I I hope it looks different too. The black shirts haven't <laughs> been the black shirts for a long time. Matt Rule had an interesting answer when asked about the black shirts a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was just last week. He said he talked to Tom Osborne about how you handed out the black shirts, and he said, "Well, Matt, we picked uh, the guys that started the game, and we gave them a black shirt." That's kind of how we did it. <laughs> so, and, and but now it's become much more complicated because defensive has really changed uh, since then. Nebraska ran a four three, and sure there were certain sub packages, but now you've got guys that start in one package and they start in a different package. And when you've got because of the spread offenses, defenses have had to adjust to that. And so you might have 14 guys that are starters based on the package. You was know it, what I mean? Yeah. Was it Kevin Cosgrove or was it one of the Polinis that, like, one year we had, like, 27 black shirts? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the, he took them all away yeah, one year. Yeah. I, uh, I, I always thought that. Like, that's, that's losing sight of the actual tradition. Yeah. But when you're that bad, I, I mean, they took them all away last year for, for a period of time, and I thought that Mickey Joseph did the right thing by taking them all away for a while and I think they gradually they got better and better and better with Bill Bush yeah. as the defensive coordinator and they gradually gave them back but I don't think they gave back all of the black shirts until late in the season as yeah. I remember um, let's get to break and because uh, I, I want to have extra time to talk to Tom well, Chattel this will be the first time we've had uh, had Tom Chattel on the, the air and it's I, I'm looking forward to it. Has he been covering Nebraska football for 50 years yet? I mean, it's <laughs> it's we've been covering Husker football uh, for 30 I, I, years. We can we can double check, but I want to say that 1979 may have been, and it would have been when he was at Missouri. Would have been when he started covering college football. Okay, I, I yeah, may he, be he was wrong. at Missouri. That's right. He was working for the Kansas City Star. We could actually ask him those questions. Yeah. I mean, he's hey, old, you know, before before we 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 jump to Tom, I want to I want to preface an, another brand new guest that we're going to have. I think I've already got it lined up for next week. Um, we're going to have Amy Just from the Lincoln Journal Star on five twenty five next week, and I'm stoked. You and I we read all the articles that she writes, and we're like, we have got to get her on the air. She is amazing, uh, the stuff that she writes. So that's going to be next week here on Husker Rewind. Before we get to break, it's interesting. Uh, the NCAA says they're still investigating Jim Harbaugh okay. over recruiting violations. Um, he he had agreed or wanted to agree to a four-game suspension, and maybe new evidence has come to their attention or something because now they're saying, I don't know that we want the – Four game suspension that you agreed to that we never really agreed to. And by the way, it's not about a hamburger. The fact that they put in the specific point about it's not about a hamburger into their public statement cracked me up. Yeah, it's not about. Uh, remember, Eric Crouch to, ate a ham sandwich on a plane ride, and that that kind of makes me think of the hamburger incident. Yeah. It's not about a hamburger. They're investigating impermissible phone calls and texts to high school. Oh, to Eric House. oh wait a minute uh it makes you think a little bit of Ernest Hausman uh because how did how did he just end up on that roster but I'm sure it was all legit on the part in that instance I'm sure it was all legit by Harbaugh you're sure no um (laughs) not at all but um we'll see what happens I mean the guy can do whatever he wants to because he's 74 and 25 he's made two straight college football playoffs and he's beaten Ohio State two years in a row 
Yeah, but so, the, he can do whatever he wants inside the uh, state of Michigan or inside Ann Arbor, not inside the uh, the, the realm no. of the NCAA. So. Oh, he's a he's a jerk, but he's you know he's you know as if he were our coach, I'd say yeah, but he's our jerk. He's our jerk because <laughs> he wins. Uh, let's get to break. Talk to Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald next. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Tom Stevens, Mike Melby, Husker Rewind every Sunday, 5 until 7, as we welcome in a legend for the Omaha World Herald. We were... uh, Talking to one another, Tom, how long have you been with the Omaha World World Herald? When did you start at the World Herald? Oh, you know, I can't remember. It's so far, <laughs> but no. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was uh, September 1st, 1991. 1991. And at that time, I think Nebraska had gone through, what, six or seven straight seasons without winning a bowl game. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was a completely different uh, vibe. The uh, uh, fact that they they finished the previous year uh, losing three straight. They 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 had the uh, the painful collapse in Colorado in the rain, uh, and then they lose uh, at Oklahoma where when Mickey Joseph runs into the bench, and they uh, they they got blown out, and then they uh, they, they they go to the Citrus Bowl. And the uh, Georgia Tech, uh, yeah, uh, they beat them. So they, that was when they started the year that they came out. I came right in right when all this stuff was happening, and Tom Osborne was telling people he was going to get fired, and uh, it was just uh, <laughs> a lot of drama. But yeah. um, you know, and, and Colorado had beat them two years in a row, and was kind of on top, and so yeah, it was. Uh, and the starting quarterback. Joseph, um, going into that the opener, uh, I think that I think like Utah State, and he got he got hurt or he just had a bad half. But they brought a Keith McCamp, and yeah. I don't think Keith McCamp was going to be the guy. Everybody said I was stupid and go back to Missouri, and and it's 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 been a lovely thirty two relationship ever since. I remember uh, Tom Osborne. I think it was the ninety two class or the ninety three class. Uh, he went to the media, and I'm sure you were there. He said, "This is the best we can do as far as recruiting," uh, and, <laughs> and and those classes ended up winning what four or five national championships, or four, or four, three national championships, sixty and three. I I, I, I always love Tom's. He had a he had a, a, a certain knack for uh, the backhand compliment, but he didn't. He, he never meant it. Uh, you know, he was—he was never mean about it. He wasn't trying to insult anybody. He just had, like, he, one time he started talking about Matt Terman. He said, "Well, he, he's not the worst." When <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he was yeah. that the week before the K State game? I, might, I don't know what it was, but it was just so <laughs> funny. And he said to uh, after the after the '95 team, uh, after they hammered Michigan State up in Lansing. He's you know, shaking Nick Saban's hand and says, "You're not as bad as you think." I mean, just, yeah, uh, yeah. just, yeah, I love that. So yeah, he, um, that was. Uh, <laughs> I, we, 
you know, whatever, whatever he, he, the thing about the recruiting thing, this is they got Tommy Frazier that year. I mean, he was the guy they had to have, you know, I'm not, I'm not one who who really gets into recruiting hype, but, but that was one where you could say he was absolutely worth the hype. Yeah. Yep. He really was. Is there anybody that is in the current 23 freshman class that's on campus now or anybody that's in the 24 class committed to Nebraska right now that you feel is a guy that is worth the hype? Oh, yeah, you know, I, I hate to say, I don't really follow the hype. I don't really – I follow high school ball, but um, I never really try to get into that. Um, I will say – I really think that Daniel Kalen is a guy who could be as good as the hype, and um, but also was a guy who, when he came here, it was just such a it was such a big switch and a, a big endorsement of rule that because uh, he was local and and uh, he, he he you know decided to you know jump on board, I think he, he helped bring some others. And I think mm-hmm. other guys in that recruiting class, um, you know, uh, followed his endorsement. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to see him. Um, and, uh, you know, it's um, this is really a strange season. Guy. I, I, people have been asking me, of course, they always ask me, but what's going to happen? And I just – I just have no feel for it. I just have zero feel for for what we're going to see, and I think it's it's going to be better um, in some ways. But I'm not sure they they have enough players or enough depth to you know really make a big move. So I don't yeah. know. And it's been kind of a weird couple of weeks. First, you had Bob Wager resigning after a DUI. You had Miles Farmer leaving the team, and now Xavier Betts. Has this been a big deal as far as distractions? Do you think, or is it is it just a bump on the road? Yeah, I think it's a bump. Um, you know, the farmer thing. I mean, they they knew he wasn't going to be around at least at least until they they brought him back. So, and I, and I think there are, are going to be certain guys where you've got to lay down the wall early. You know, you you, you you can't let the you know the players dictate. You know what happens. Uh, there has to be the if you're going to have a culture, if you're going to have a winning culture, you got to establish early that everybody's accountable. I, I don't know what was going on. It sounded like, it sounded like rule one, and you know, was he, he's welcome back, and we we respect him as a man. I you know, wasn't sure what that meant, but um, so yeah, I think that was probably. I mean, it, it's tough to lose a guy. Like you can't, you know, you want have players to win. But I think this first year is more importantly about how they're going to play and what kind of standard they're going to have. And I really think that the record, I mean, they need to go to a bowl game at some point. I really think that the record is almost secondary to what what kind of foundation that they're going to lay this year. And um, I I think they can do both. I think that they, they can go to a bowl game. And also set that foundation. Tom Chattel from the Omaha World Herald joining us here on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. Tom, I want to take you back to, to your days at Missouri and living in the dorms. 
Um, when you there heard you what you heard that Matt Rule was going to take the team for two weeks and go to the sell it quad angle, uh, what were your thoughts? Did it bring back any good memories, bad memories? <laughs> <laughs> what What are your thoughts on, on on him doing that? Well, I just moved my uh, freshman daughter into the her room yesterday, so. Um, it's still very fresh in my head. Um, you know, when it comes to dorms, I just hope they all had better roommates than, than, than I did because I had a terrible <laughs> first roommate. And um, I, after the first semester, which I hated, um, I, uh, I switched immediately to somebody else on the dorm floor that I liked. And, and then I, I suddenly had a, a, a better experience. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's all relative. I like any kind of uh, team bonding. I don't know if you necessarily have to be the, the junction boys and take everybody to another town. You know, you, you don't need to go to McCook or, or you know, Kearney or somewhere and, you know, hope and, and get out of town. But I, I, I think I like the idea of being in a dorm together and, and you know, kind of roughing it. No, I kind of trying to put the phones down. That's so hard to do. Um, but uh, I think I think right now every little every little bit helps. And um, but you know, I, I think training camp can bond you. I really think going through a season is what does it. And you know, you find out who you can rely on and, and uh, who's got who's got who's back. Yeah. And you know. It, it's just uh, going through the wins and losses, the ups and downs uh, is what bonds the team, I think. But I, I, I really think that was a good move. Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald is our guest. It feels like a tricky thing trying to build a culture. You know, you put them in dorms and you, you try to you try to be a little tough, but you don't want to go too tough. And it, it, I like the idea of the, the number thing. You think that's a big deal, you know, saving the one through nine numbers – for certain players who you think have earned it during fall camp? I don't know. I, I, I was kind of uh, – I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, you know, when it all comes down to it, it may not mean anything, but I really think anytime you can create standards, it's, it's a good thing. I think every program needs standards, and I don't think this program has had, has had nearly enough standards over the years. And I think that the, the black shirts has been a standard that is, has, has – it's been too easy to uh, uh, to, to come by. Um, you know what, what I'd like to see is um, all right. If you're going to do this, you know the, the offensive linemen can't can't be part of this, can they? they no, they can't be single digit guys, right? Right. Well, they I, can't. I, I, so I love the big guys. I love the big ugly. So um, why not take somebody's like one of the all time greats and say, okay, if you're um, a quarterback. Say you're going to be number fifteen or number seven. If you're an offensive lineman, you're going to be number fifty, or you might be seventy-two. Uh, you, you know who all these guys are, right? Yes. Um, sure. And, sure. Uh, we're yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're so very I'm, old. Or, we we do. Know, um, yeah, absolutely. So I'm just saying, why not take different, like the the, the legends of each position, and just or the a position group, and say, okay. The leader or the, the guy who sets the standard is going to get that number. Um, so, on the, on the other hand, I kind of like these guys, you know, I, I, establishing you know new numbers too. Um, but you know, there aren't a lot of numbers left that, 
<laughs> and are, are famous, uh, really. Right. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I just think, if you know, don't worry about offensive linemen now. You guys have to be, you know, they, they can't be number eight. You know, they, they can't do it. So, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, what's the tight end going to do? He's, I guess he's number four or five. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's actually one of the best, like, spins on the tradition that I've heard. Yeah. Because you should, like – it's an honor for these guys to get voted by their teammates to be able to get a single digit. And they, you know, Matt rule talked about, I've never seen a lineman get as many votes as Ethan Piper did. Well, Tom, you need to go sit down with Matt and explain what needs to happen. He needs to wear 50 this year. If he got that many votes. There you go. As soon as the coach ever, the first time a coach ever listens to a sports writer, I'll do it. <laughs> What's your take on realignment? Obviously we know that the USC and UCLA, are coming along with Oregon and Washington. Uh, I heard Trev Albert say it's going to be odd for a tennis player to have to fly from you know California to go play Rutgers in a tennis match. Uh, that maybe this thing should be done just for football and leave right. everything else out of it. What do you think? Well, I, I think the the best plan I heard the first time I heard it was from. Uh, 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 a basketball guy, it, it was Creighton Athletic Director Bruce Rasmussen, the former AD. We were talking about, I don't know, five or six years ago, and he said, he said, all the football people should go do the football thing over here and, and, and form their own whatever, however many um, school uh, division or conference and kind of have their own rules, and, and if they want to pay players, they can. If they do the playoff in any way they want to, and just go go be football over here, and then and then let the basketball, the baseball, and everybody else on down, uh, go back to the regions where, you, and I was I my antenna up went immediately up. I said we could have the Big Eight again, and he goes yes, you could have the the, the Pac Eight or Pac Ten, yeah. you could have the Southwest Conference again, and I I, I love that idea. I think these. A lot of these sports ought to be in a bus, including basketball. Um, get on a bus and, and go go down to KU. Um, get on a plane and go to Rutgers. It makes no sense. So um, I just can't understand. I don't know how it works. I can't get to that point where I figure out, okay, this is what we should do, but how, how is it going to happen? For instance, if you put everybody into a football um, pile, Whatever, for lack of a better word, uh, and, and over here in, in the, this uh, giant division of, uh, of forty to fifty, whatever, of the football schools, um, how do you do they all do they all make the same money? I, I don't see yeah. the Big Ten or SEC ever agreeing to that ever. Yeah. And, well, I, mean, I mean, that's the way it should be. I mean, that, that was Chip Kelly's idea. Let's just make it the NFL and put everybody in, in like uh, AFC AFC West or uh, NFC West divisions. You know the pack the pack schools go out there and they stay there. And everybody makes the same money. It's a great idea, but it, <laughs> why would the SEC do that? And I also think uh, you know the Big Ten might agree to throw all those schools into a, into a group and everybody else, but I can't see the SEC ever. Letting go of SEC football—it yeah. means too much. I just don't. This idea is perfect, but it's just SEC will never agree to it, and they're the main people 
to get involved, you know. Yeah. So, uh, now also, I don't know who's going to run the, the, the smaller conferences. Are they going to have to hire a, a commissioner for all the basketball and the baseball leagues and all the, and, uh, you know, where's the money going to come from? How, how are they going to pay for all this stuff? I mean, it's the, the money for all these conferences come from football. So, um, it's a really complicated thing. Um, yeah. I just think we're going to have a Big Ten and SEC. I wrote this last week. I think there's going to be a Big Ten and an SEC, and then they're going to they're going to somehow get together. The networks will bring them together. You say, how will it happen? The networks will do it. <laughs> so it makes yep. it worth their while. Yeah. And and you know how much pull is ESPN going to have? How much money are they going to have uh, in their current state? Is is a great question. So. Um, I, I do think the Big Ten isn't done. I think they're going to go after the ACC. I could see Florida State, Clemson, and the Big Ten one day. Uh, I think they get more to the SEC, but uh, the you know, Fox, NBC, CBS will have more money to throw in. So, uh, and then they, they'll try to break the Big Ten will try to break up or Fox, whatever. Will try to break up the ACC to get another name in. So, uh, I think a lot of drama left. Maybe maybe by 2030, I don't know if, if we can all hold on that long. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and to your point, I think Florida State would take an invitation to the Big Ten uh, for 2024 and come in with the, uh, the Pac-12 schools right, right now. Right. Um, Tom Chichel from the Omaha World Herald joining us on Husker Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket. Tom, before we let you go, I want to ask you a little bit about fall camp. Scrimmage yesterday, defense dominated. Um, what's that say to you? Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of anything. I, I, I think it's too early to, 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 to really say one is, uh, but, you know, they always say that the defense is, you know, usually ahead. But um, I don't know much about Marcus Centerfield's offense or what they're going to do. I mean, he's, he's talked about, um, you know, uh, about, about going run heavy. I think that's the way to go. I, guys, I think the given Jeff Sims's turnover pass and the lack of depth and playmakers in the uh, receiver uh, room, I think this is going to be a running team this year. I think I think Matt Rule, you know, you you, you go to your strength. You know, he's going to try to get his first team again. This is a building year. There's not that much writing on it. They want to build. They want to go to a bowl game. They want obviously. They want to go to a bowl, and, and, and then they want to build off that and, and, and uh, recruit off that. But I think this has to be a running year. I think you've got yeah. a quarterback who can run um, and a lot of depth at running back. I think the offensive line might be built for this. And I think the offensive line is <laughs> it's it has just – it's been ignored too long. It's time yeah. to build another pipeline, and it's uh, and, 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 and make it built to last for a long time. Other because they won't do anything going forward without an offensive line. But I think this may come together in the next few weeks. I think you're going to the strength of this team. I think is going to be the, the, the running backs in the line and, and the running quarterback. Now, certainly the tight ends, but the tight ends kind of fit into that style. Of you run the ball, you throw at the tight ends, um, and I, I really think time of possession, keeping the ball will help the defense uh, as well. So I really think 
they're going to have to really negotiate the season and, and, and get the six wins. I think running the ball will be the best way to do it. Um, defensively, that line is, is – uh, they're going to have to – you know, Tony White's going to have to have a little magic and a little hocus-pocus, I think, to, yeah. to get that line because a lot of teams are getting Big Ten are going to run right at them and try to – so they're going to they're have to come up with some – We're right there with you. We don't understand any of it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But 18 days until we uh, maybe understand a little more about what's going to go on this season. We appreciate the time, Tom. We'd love to have you back uh, maybe during this season. Hey, anytime. Let me know. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Tom Chattel of the Omaha World Herald, longtime columnist. He started in 1991. What a perfect time. To start yeah, at Nebraska, no I mean, because it was it was looking bleak at that time. I remember Tom Osborne lost six straight, seven straight bowl games, yeah. and they wanted to fire him. And Tom Stell wrote some pretty harsh articles at that time. And yeah. then those recruiting classes led to you yeah. know Tommy Frazier and and the Magic sixty and three. And the thing that I always am just fascinated by with the way Tom writes and the, the he looks at things in such a different way, and sometimes it's. You know, the, you open up the fridge and the milk's right here, and you're like, uh, I, I, "Honey, I can't find the milk." That's me, by the way. And and Tom just said something really obvious, and and it's kind of what other people have alluded to. But he he just told me where the milk carton was. He said Jeff Sims has had some turnover issues. Okay, yeah. So we all know that. So the receiver room is not necessarily where you would want it to throw the ball around the field. You know, forty five times a game. That's the thing is you combine the turnover issue with the little bit lack of um, proven depth. Billy Kemp aside, right? There's not a ton of proven Marcus depth. Washington. And Marcus Washington and Joshua Fleeks as um, well. But, um, you know, it's pretty thin experience-wise after that. They're going to run the ball. But that's the whole thing is I kind of never put that. Jeff Sims had to pinch it for turnovers at Georgia Tech. So they should run the ball more often to make sure to get him – Safe throws, high, uh, you know, high percentage throws. Hit the tight ends. Thomas Fedoni's good. Borkercher's good. I think it's really important that Eric Gilbert get the waiver. And he hasn't gotten the waiver yet. I think uh, Matt Rule said if he doesn't get the waiver, then they should just discontinue the waiver process. I think Matt Rule's going to fight someone if Eric (laughs) Gilbert does not get the waiver. They they don't have enough wide receivers, so go with your tight ends. Uh, I think Eric Gilbert getting a waiver would really help. But, yeah, yeah, they're going to have to be a running team, and they're going to have to do everything right and not have a lot of penalties and play really well on special teams just to get to six wins. It feels like that type of year. And two of those things they struggled with uh, this last – yesterday in the scrimmage with special teams were not great and uh, procedures were an issue for the offense again. Uh, Let's talk a little golf. It's uh, going to a playoff. Uh, We won't spend a ton of time on golf as we head out, but uh, it is going to a playoff. Lucas Glover – and somebody else uh, is For, playing. Forgive my ignorance, but what tournament is it? It's not it, a major. It's the idol. playoffs. It's the oh. FedEx playoffs. Okay. It's the St. Jude Classic. Okay. okay. I, I was going to say I didn't. I didn't know what tournament. We it won't was. talk a ton of golf. We'll just a, like a minute or two of golf because because okay. the text line will get mad and everybody will get mad if we talk <laughs> much golf. But I just uh, you know me. I've got to look at the screen and see what's going on. We'll talk about a few other things as we head out. We only have about ten minutes left in the show. Less than that, actually. And then it's the finish line at yep. the top of the hour. But more after this. This is Sunday Rewind on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
The FedEx Cup is uh, going on. This is the playoffs, the FedEx playoffs. I, I find golf really fascinating, so I won't talk a lot about golf, but Lucas Glover and Patrick Cantley are headed to a playoff tied at 15 under. Uh, Lucas Glover, an interesting story. He's won a U.S. Open and then just had the yips. We've all had the yips, but he could yep. not hit. There was an instance where he was going for 59 and missed a foot, missed a putt from one feet. I mean, like one foot. Um, and recently, he was like at 60th and in the top 50th or top uh, 75 make the FedEx. But he was he was outside even contention for the playoffs and switched putters just like three months ago. And now he's just gone on a terror uh, nice. with the long putter. Have you ever considered the long putter? Not a chance. I hate those. I think, uh, they, I think they should be outlawed. Any putter that is... Well, you can't anchor them anymore. I don't care. Any putter that is longer than 34 inches, outlawed. There are certain guys on tour, like if they had a designated putter, they would be... Like Ernie L should have won 15 majors, uh, but he couldn't putt. From, especially late in his career, he couldn't make a three-foot putt. Fred Couples could not putt to save his rear end. Uh, the best ball striker maybe in the history of golf. Yeah. But he just could not putt. And so some guys just can't. And th- th- it's pretty important to the game. I think the PGA Tour ought to implement a rule that is an equipment change. Every golfer has to use the old wooden shafted from Caddyshack Billy Baru. If that is your putter, Billy, you have no choice. Oh, Billy, 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 yep, Billy. I think it'd be a lot more fun. <laughs> That's kind of a fun a little... Uh, a way to do it, yeah. that everybody has to have a Billy Baru in the bag? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I had to go to the mallet. I had the yips for a long time, and I, I have to use a mallet putter. I don't have a a long putter, but I have a, I have to have the heavy-weighted putter. I don't think I would – the old Scotty Cameron putters, I, I don't think I could putt well with that. I, I found got, out my putting issue with missing short putts, I would always miss them inside to the left. And I, I found out – Jane Pullman, actually, is who – showed me one time she's a um, nebraska women's stroke play match play whatever champion all the way back to when she was a junior uh and and all through whatever and she won however yeah. many senior championships but she uh she lines me up differently and it was all where my eye placement was and and all of a sudden i could putt again so did i ever tell you that i played in the club championship once with tim miles and i had a five foot putt and he said that's good and i go tim you can't give me that we're playing against everyone not yeah. just you and me and he goes, okay, I have a three-foot putt. And he says, that's good. And I go, Tim, I have to putt it. We're playing against everyone. Finally, just uh, it was a two-foot putt, and he picked it up and threw it at me. <laughs> but I won by two shots, so it was okay. There you go. It was okay. Um, I want to play a little game with Mike Melby, former voice of the Lincoln Stars. I read the quote, you guess who said the particular sports statement. Okay. It's related to sports. It's not Well, I was going to say, it could get really interesting um, then. It's they said it. Uh, you guess who they are. There are 49 states by my count that play football. I think it's interesting that we're the only state that I'm aware of where there's an investigation. Who said that? We're the only state. Okay, so there's, and you're not going to tell me who the investigation is by? It's sports related. Probably the NCAA. Okay, if it's NCAA and we're the only state. The only thing that comes to mind... Oh, actually, it's not the NCAA that's doing this investigation, I don't believe. 
Okay. But it's it's related to sports. Okay. The only thing I could think that, and it just because it's kind of fresh in mind because it involves Aaron Eulis is gambling. Yes. And Iowa Iowa State. So I'm going to go either Fram McCaffrey or Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz. Ding ding really? ding ding ding. It's Kirk Ferentz that said that. <laughs> uh, he's famous for saying stuff. You know, you always look at him and think he doesn't say much, but sometimes he says some snide things. Like he said some snide things about. And like he never liked Scott Frost, uh, and and PJ would Fleck say did. some. Oh, yeah, PJ Fleck. <laughs> yeah, oh, PJ Fleck would say some. That I could say. P, P, I could see PJ Fleck saying something like that, as well. But yeah, uh, that's what Kirk Fair said about, and he's probably right. Actually, I mean, there are fifty states. There's a lot of states that have sports gambling. Why is Iowa and Iowa State the only two that they've found? That have players because you think that those are the only players betting on sports well, in just, college football and basketball. But again, I mean, is are they the only two schools or this little ring that have been publicly accused? And are there other investigations going on? That's where I'm. I mean, it's like uh, you don't know that there's not. So, well, regardless, Kirk Ferentz can get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. But that's every day of the year. Kirk Ferentz can get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Uh, did you see this? Iowa, The Iowa women are trying to set a hoops record. You know, Nebraska is about to set a sports record for women I mean, women in attendance of all. I mean, yep. they're, they're going to get packed 90,000 into Memorial Stadium to watch a volleyball game. Iowa State, or Iowa, is uh, trying to do something similar. The women... Uh, at Iowa are trying to pack 69,000 into Kinnick Stadium for a game versus DePaul. I don't know what day they're doing that, but uh, versus DePaul. The current record is 29,619, 2002, UConn versus OU. Do you think that they just saw that Nebraska was doing this and they just, well, we should do something similar? I I, I completely think that is 100% the case, but I, I don't, fault them for it i i whatever man i mean celebrate i think they're a bunch sports. of copycats and i don't like it I, I i don't either but i do like it because it's caitlin collins is it or what's the uh, clark caitlin, caitlin clark she's like a transcendent player and when you have somebody like that the, the thing is <laughs> having a volleyball match oh i don't know august 30th in the midwest granted you can get some rain there could be some wind i get all of that Having a basketball game during the regular season, which is when this is going to be, yeah. that doesn't start until, oh, I don't know, the second week of November, seems like a pretty big gamble that the game is going to be able to take place. Or, I right. mean, realistic, I, right. what, what are you going to do if it's 27 degrees with a 15-mile-an-hour wind? I'm really worried about the weather for the Nebraska volleyball game. Oh, same here. I, I mean, I, I hope it goes well, but what if it's a day like today? Uh, and today was... A lot of rain, uh, yeah. last time I checked. There's been a lot of rain, seven inches of it, uh, just in July alone. So I, I really hope that'll work out. But almost everything all the time works out for John Cook. So True. it just seems like the gods are always on his side. So it'll work out perfectly. Um, what's on the finish line tonight? Finish line tonight, we are honored we are going to have Racine and Nate Thompson. Racine is the co-owner of Eagle Raceway along with her father, Roger Hayden. Uh, they're going to be in. We're going to talk a little demo derby as well because I think Nate is involved with some demo derby stuff. But uh, Eagle, what they've got coming up for the remainder of this season, uh, we're proud to have them on board as a sponsor of the finish line. 
And then uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the biggest race uh, that sprint cars have on the planet each and every year that took place last night in Knoxville, Iowa. Uh, I was there, and uh, we'll go through uh, everything that happened with it. And then we're going to promote next week's guest, ah. uh, Jade Avedizian. She is one of the best drivers out there. She's 16 years old. She's from Oklahoma, and uh, she knows how to wheel a midget. She is uh, driving in the Extreme Outlaw Midget Series and was leading the points until a couple of bad nights uh, earlier this week. But uh, she's kind of tearing it up. She's driving the Mobile 171, and uh, we're going to have her on for an hour next week. I'll listen on the way home. I, I love the show. The finish line is Appreciate coming up it. next. Uh, 18 days till kickoff, Nebraska versus Minnesota. Uh, but we'll be back next Sunday night at 5 o'clock. Mike, thanks for the time. Heck yeah. I'll listen on the drive home. The finish line is next.